what my nurse said. It's funny because he's overweight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then he's having a snack attack. Hey there, welcome to the Michelle Mission, <laughs> two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple, <laughs> and as always, I'm joined by... An old girl was working in the vibrant and bustling music scene of 1985 Pittsburgh. <laughs> Why was you running a music empire out of 1985 Pittsburgh? I'm sorry. Is Vincent Williams <laughs> rapping, 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 rapping? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are bringing you our review of 1985's Rapping. <laughs> Starring Mario Van Peoples, Eric LaSalle, Kadeem Hardison, in this installment of May I Have Another, Vince's Selection. Hey, we're going to do it. Let's do it. For tonight's stop (laughs) on the Michaud Mission. Before we get into that, way before we get into that. Why uh, did little girl freeze, Lynn? Like, (laughs) little girl froze. I was like, Whoa. We were just rapping about food. Now it's a little girl freezing to death? I don't know if she froze to death, but they took her out there on that stretcher. She did not froze to death. She, she, she was talking on the gurney. She was <laughs> Okay. We, it's, all right. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. You're jumping right. the gun. I, I am. I am. I am. Before, as you can see, Vince <laughs> is chomping at the bit. To get to the review of rapping, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, we will have order here. And before we do our review, we, as always, like to follow up with each and every one of you that send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns. Uh, Hits us up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Michelle Mission. And emails us at Mission at gmail.com. Last week, Vince... For May I Have Another, we reviewed The Adventures of Pluto Nash. We did. I was here when it happened. Yes. Um, <laughs> at which... Uh, <clears throat> uh, who, uh, New Mutant... I'm reading here from uh, SoundCloud, where people can leave their thoughts okay. in time with the show. Yes. So at the one hour and three minute mark... New Mutant said, wait a minute here. We coming up in here with some Wendy Williams-ish. Come on now. I think that was in regards to your comment about <laughs> Eddie Murphy hey, and Johnny Gill. I didn't say that. I thought that was you. No, it was not. Me. Are you sure it wasn't I'm you? I'm quite positive it was you. I'm Let's quite agree posi- to disagree. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> when in Rome. <laughs> this is Philly. Okay. <laughs> And that was you. (laughs) And then New Mutant at the uh, 54 minute and 42 second mark said, Vincent, let me lose one $5 bill, much less a $20 bill. 
Oh, I know that's right. So uh, I know that is right. He was uh, uh, co-signing. Yes, uh, with you, Vince. Because Pluto Nash lost over a hundred million dollars. I know that is that's incredible, right? Uh, we also got an email. Let me see where I can find this email. I want to find it. I want to find it. I want to find it. I had it. Where is the email? Ah, this is an email. It actually is, um, we got it a a little bit ago, but it does coincide a little bit with uh, our Mother May I series. It's from uh, Matt Lambert. Hey, Matt. Have you seen this email, Vince? I don't recall. Uh, The subject is 2004, an important year in black cinema. Okay. This is a little long one, but I think you'll appreciate it. Len and Vincent, first off, thank you for your mission. I came across your podcast while attempting to find the soundtrack for the Wattstack movie on Spotify. All right. And am rapidly catching up with the episodes. Thank you. I am grateful for your insight and your experiences and interests outside of the film bring to the table for what are consistently entertaining and educational episodes. Well, thank you. With that being said, I would like to introduce what I believe to be an overlooked perspective regarding the Soul Plane episode, which I believe was on our our inaugural. Our inaugural. May I I have have another? another. Yes. Let me first state that, yes, this film is vulgar, overtly racist, and quite frankly does not age well, and the world might be a better place without it ever having been made. (laughs) Okay. However... With that being said, (laughs) I think there is an important takeaway from this film that can be observed via the hunky family led by the family patriarch and the worst of the worst, Tom Arnold. Yes. For context, it is crucial to acknowledge that the year 2004 also brought two movies that could have easily been included in the Mother May I series for having been so terrible. Okay. The cookout. Oh, the cookout is bad. And Johnson Family Vacation. These two movies, along with Soul Plane, exploited black stereotypes and caricatures and dressed them up in all-star casts and were released to movie theaters for mind-numbing consumption. I do not believe that this timing was a coincidence. Okay. Following the Eminem craze that dominated the early 2000s, white America had convinced itself that it was able to confidently approach black culture for the first time. Oh, that's interesting. Despite the mainstream success of rap and hip hop in the 80s and 90s, white America was not able to wholly and consciously identify with music inspired by the events that targeted black Americans in the time leading up to the genre's success. Fast forward to Eminem, a white man targeting no one or nothing of substance and taking away all of the power and momentum that rap and hip hop had generated through the 80s and 90s. Hmm. Black culture became an easier concept for white Americans to convince themselves that they could understand. I believe that the unfortunate big three of black casted movies in 2004 were, for the reasons noted above, packaged for the average white Americans that had convinced themselves that they appreciated black culture under the assumption that they could truly accept and understand it. There was a void to fill and how to capitalize on this check to cash. And these three movies tried their absolute hardest to do so. This brings me to the hunkies. 
The goofy white family of four who unknowingly finds themselves aboard Flight 069 from LAX to JFK. The one golden nugget and potential savior of Soul Plane is their constant amazement and bewilderment as they walk through Terminal Malcolm X, munch on Popeye's fried chicken, and party in the club conveniently located at the top deck of the plane. It is my hope that this family was included partly as commentary on white America's infatuation with black culture, white America's attempt to be included in black culture, and white America's failure to do so. It is also meta how silly this family looks as they dress up in matching basketball uniforms, try and fail to use the language of their fellow passengers, and mingle with passengers. While it by no means excuses the overall messages and flaws of this film, if you can even cite a singular message, I think that this family shows a much-needed black perspective on how utterly ridiculous Ridiculous! the wave of white America attempting to own and identify with black culture looked in the early 2000s. While the whitewashing, whitewashing of historic events and continued attempts of white America to justify its self-proclaimed identification with black culture continues today, I think the subtle jabs like this within these movies can spark a conversation of this white consumption. When dissected, these movies display how white, Mer white America still viewed blackness as different, comical, and as a specimen to be studied in a period when the common discourse asserts that black culture had been accepted in the early 2000s. In discrediting this misguided view, we can look to correct this train of thought and prevent racism disguised as light humor from being used as a tool in acceptance. Thank you for your time and for your mission, Matt Lambert. Wow. Indeed. I think that's the deepest anyone has ever thought about Soul Plane. Yes, it is. I don't know how I feel about that. Hmm. Besides the fact that I love the fact that it's something to think about with Soul Plane. Yeah, right? You know? Right? Give you like... Oh, right. Interesting. Right, because it kind of addresses different audiences. It mm -hmm. addresses, you know, what's going on at the moment. Mm -hmm. I like it. I do. I like it. All right, Matt. All right, Matt. I'm still not watching Soul Plane again. Never again. <laughs> uh... <laughs> but thank you. Thank you very much for your insight. Thank you very much. We appreciate that, Matt Lambert. We also heard from uh, Joyce uh, Famakinwa. I uh, may be mispronouncing that. I apologize. Hey, Joyce. She says that you guys should do an episode of Kathleen Collins Losing Ground. Yeah, that's come up. It's come up quite a bit. It's come up quite a bit. I, I will say this. I think in June is um we'll, we'll probably do some Black Music Month stuff. Yes. But but I always, you, you know, once we get out of Mother May I, I like to go, I like to get deep a little bit. Like, I need to, cl to, to clear my palate. So... I know one movie that we have to do coming out of Mother May I for Black Music Month. And it's a movie that I think we we more or less reviewed, but in reviewing the tapes, we actually haven't reviewed it. Is it Lethal Weapon 2? No. Okay, okay. It's Crush Groove. You know what? I was thinking about that. Like when you said last episode to go and listen to the Crush Groove episode, I actually thought 
much like um us and before a few weeks ago sorry to bother you i don't know if we did a proper crush groove episode not only that while we did do a screening and quasi live podcast of crush groove very early on yeah in the mission that live event was not recorded Okay. So there's no record. Oh, so there's actually no record of it. Yeah, there's no record of it. Okay. So we actually do have to do it's, a Crush Groove episode. So like if someone recorded it on their phone, it's, it's like the footage from King Kong where King Kong fights the giant spiders. From the original from King the original Kong. From the original King Kong yes. that has never been found. Yes. Exactly. All right. Yes. It's, it, they could make a found footage podcast episode of the Michelle Mission. I love it. If they did. I love it. So, but we have to beat them to the punch. Yeah, and actually do so, do Crush Group. And it fits his black music. It does. And if I remember when we did that live event, we didn't really, because it was a live event, we didn't go like too deep in no, it. No, not at all. It was one of our first live events. We I know. We weren't exactly sure. Like, you know, do people really want to sit there and listen to us? I know. You know, so we've, we've got to do it now. Okay, but losing ground. L- losing ground has come up a lot, Joyce. It has, and and it's very much on our radar. And David Green wrote us as well and said, "Hey, what's that, up, David?" That he just recently found this podcast. It it is amazing. Thank you, David. I see that you already reviewed one of my top five movies, "Nothing But a Man." Yes, um, one of our top five movies, at least one, one of mine. Yes, and of, actually, of what we've reviewed. And actually, I was speaking to um, who was I just talking to? I was talking to Ariel Johnson. Hey, uh, Ariel. Amalgam mm-hmm. Comics. And she... Uh, Just was, saw her on Free Comic Book Day the other day. Okay, you were there. Yeah. Oh, cool. She she was speaking of having listened to the Nothing But A Man episode. Okay. And really, even though she has never seen the movie, enjoying that episode. Okay, and now being nice. And moved to want to uh, check out the movie. movie. Um uh, uh, David continues, I was just wondering... If you will review the movie Juice, I think Tupac should have got an Oscar nomination for his role he, in Bishop. He was amazing in Juice. He was pretty good. And without knowing who was nominated nor who won that year, I, I'm comfortable in saying that he probably could have was as good as the nominees in Juice as anybody who was nominated for an Oscar that year. Just, yeah. just because... Well, I have no respect for the Oscars. Yes, we know that you have no respect for the Oscars. We know that. Uh, Lady Kenda Kali. Hey, Lady Kenda Kali. Wrote on Facebook, in our Facebook group, is The Nutty Professor, 1986. Yeah. Eddie Murphy movie. Is that not considered sci-fi? Yeah. On this recent episode, it was said that Pluto Nash was the first for Mr. Murphy. I'd argue that The Nutty Professor. It might be the nutty professor. Is that just me? Speck Ham says that he would call it fantasy, but I guess technically that it is sci-fi. And uh, even Viron Chef says, well, what about the golden, golden child? Excuse fantasy, but sci-fi ain't too far. Yeah, I actually chimed in on that. And, and I, I think you can make that argument. Is technology run amok? Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's literally what it is. Yeah, but okay, I guess. But <laughs> like you're saying, I guess. <laughs> like I didn't actually recount the plot point. Okay, I guess. But when you 
<laughs> when the average person thinks of sci-fi, yes, is the Nutty Professor, I suppose, technically science fiction? He's actually a professor of science. Like, he's a chemist, I think. But Or geneticist. Okay, but, like, the Nutty Professor is... While it is science fiction, it's, it's it's science fiction in the way that Flubber is science fiction. I mean, also science fiction, but, though. But, they, but, they, but they're not what you think of when you think science I mean, just fiction. Just you don't think of it initially. Well, Once someone tells you, that doesn't mean it's not science fiction. Okay. All right. All right. But I'm going... Okay. Let's put it this way. I don't think that even Eddie Murphy would necessarily consider The Nutty Professor... His first science fiction movie. I'll give you perhaps the Golden Child because of the whole fantasy element. No, no, I completely disagree with you about Eddie Murphy not saying that. In fact, I think Eddie Murphy would argue it more than other people because Eddie Murphy is going to make a direct link to the original Nutty Professor, which is not considered science fiction, which is just Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Right. Even more so than the remake. So I think Eddie Murphy being a student of film and, and like I think Eddie Murphy will call it science fiction. If anything, if he harkens back to the the first Nutty Professor and with that being basically a reworking of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which you could then maybe pull in the, the same type of um, uh, uh, analogy with his version of the Nutty Professor, that more aligns with... Um, in the horror genre, no, it's sci-fi. It's sci-fi. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is horror. It's not horror. It's technology. No, no. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is is one hundred percent more more horror. It may be a more science based horror, but it's I would consider that more horror than sci-fi. The hairs that you are splitting right now, I'm not splitting any hairs. Are so thin. I don't. Well, my hair is thin. Right, but I don't. I mean, this is a version of the Frankenstein argument, but it's science fiction. I mean, it's science. Science is Frankenstein science fiction or horror? It's science fiction, but it's horror. It's it's more horror. It's science fiction horror. I mean, now we're talking about we're, not, okay. we're talking about the thing. Okay, well, we're both, talking. I mean, there's tons of movies. It that can, can be live in two they can genres. be both. Right. All yes, right. But, but one of the genres is science fiction. Okay. Well, while one of the genres may be science fiction, I would argue that just like Frankenstein, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is probably more horror than it is science fiction. I think it works fiction. in both. I think it works in both. Well, but it's not certainly not 50% both. And I think it's probably more 60%, possibly 70% horror. I don't think so. A body I, horror. I, I, not, I don't think, especially Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which is, is psychological, which is science. What's, what's psychological? Psychological. It's psychological horror. Psychological terror. It's, is, that, is, it's, that is horror. It, uh, it's more you. horror than science fiction. I think it's science fiction. I think it's it's science fiction. Nutty Professor is science fiction. I agree. I disagree. Mm. We'll have to ask a horror expert. Right. Um... Robert Monroe posted in our Facebook group. Hey, what's up, Robert? Animator and cartoonist Floyd Norman of uh, Disney fame has been named the recipient of the Milton Keneath Lifetime Achievement Yeah, that's Award. fantastic. Good for him. Yeah, the National Cartoonist Society will present Disney legend Floyd Norman with the Milton Keneath, uh, or is that Kenneth? Uh, maybe it's Kenneth. I've never said it out loud. Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award at the 73rd Annual Rubin Awards. 
the Milton Caniff Lifetime Achievement Award is awarded by unanimous vote of the NCS Board of Directors and given for a lifetime of outstanding and accomplished work to a cartoonist who has not previously uh, been recognized. Nice. So shout out to yeah, uh, congrats. Norman. Congratulations. Um, Markham Lee wrote hey, what's us. what's up, Markham? It uh, wrote us about listening to the Coonskin episode. Ah. And I'm pretty sure I've seen the Ralph Bashy Lord of the Rings years ago as a child, but I'm mm. more familiar with the Rankin and Bass animated version of The Hobbit from 1977. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think I've seen the yeah, that. Yeah, me too. That's, that, I think that is actually. The precious, precious that everybody knows. When we oh, it started kids. there? I think that's in The Hobbit. Like, he's in Lord of the Rings, the Ralph Bashi Lord of the Rings, but the Ralph Bashi Lord of the Rings is really just psychedelic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's got the rotoscope. Right. But the, um, but the Hobbit that he's talking about is the one where the Gollum is, is almost a co-star. Mm-hmm. And he does this, my precious. And that creep, you know, I know it creeped me out. Like I had nightmares about the golem. I didn't, but a lot of people did. Markham Lee hit us up about Pluto Nash. He said that I'm still shocked, shocked, I say, okay, at the number of stars in this movie. How do you have all of these people and $100 million and manage to make such a terrible movie? It is ridiculous. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think that. I, Markham Lee, can make a decent movie with $100 million, Eddie Murphy, and John Cleese. Eddie, John, just improvise action. I was about to say, I don't think, who was the third person? Was Eddie Murphy, John Cleese, and who was the third person? Oh, he only just mentions the two. Oh, yeah, the two of them. I I mean, look, John Cleese plays somebody in a nursing home. Eddie Murphy plays an attendant. Go. Exactly. Boom. Exactly. Uh, I can do that for three million and keep. I do that for three million. What do you think you gotta give? Like I give Eddie ten, I get John Cleese ten, and then I just pocket the rest. There you go. Keep it moving. Uh, where was oh Mo Poplar? Hey, what's up, Mo? He um, he has uh, submitted a musing of his own. Yes, that we posted. Yes, and in comes the black guy. Yeah. Uh, talking about how the 90, 1980s brought us hip-hop as well as uh, some cool people. And the rest was kind of BS. But one of the worst cinematic tropes invented as well came in the 80s. Just add a black guy. Somewhere somebody thought <laughs> an amusing turn of the fish out of water story would be to add a black guy. And then you'd have an instant comedy classic. This formula was amusing at first, but wore thin pretty quick because it's pretty darn racist and depressing. Absolutely. And he then goes on to cite such uh, films as 48 Hours. Oh, easy uh, with that 48 Hours. The Toy. Yeah, The Toy is real problematic. Well, um, Superman 3, which starred Richard Pryor. Also real tough. Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor. I think we're seeing a pattern here. Um, But uh, then he also uh, cites Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, Golden Child, Mm. Jumping Jack Flash. Yeah, yeah. Distinguished Gentleman. Yeah. And Sister Act. Yeah. I I think you have differing quality in each of those films. You know, as I've 
mentioned, but you know, Trading Places is my favorite Eddie Murphy crossover comedy. Really? Like, you know, I have like the Eddie Murphy crossover comedies and I have like three Eddie Murphy black movies. But, okay. But Trading Places, Trading Places is my favorite Eddie Murphy sort of crossover class. You mean movie that was made to cross over? Yes. Because he's had movies that have crossed over. Yeah, I mean, I think. That just weren't. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. But that's my, like Trading Places is in my top five comedies easily and i'm saying top five really because i'm not like i, I don't you don't have really have a real list. right like i'm not thinking about but but i feel quite confident saying trading places is in my, is in my top five i like trading places not in my top five yeah but it's, it, yeah i think trading places is damn near perfect okay um Markham Lee had some thoughts okay. about Mo Poplar's <laughs> And apparently Mo actually sent us an email um, where he said that, um, you know, like, hey, some people have been reading my stuff and they, they think that I don't like these movies. <laughs> and I got to be honest, Mo, you, you get the impression that you don't like them based on some of your criticism. No, no, no. You critique because you love. Uh, okay. Fair enough. I got the impression that he was right, right. down in them a little bit. But Mark Lee says that Trading Places, speaking of, mm-hmm. has a deeper storyline, in my opinion, because Eddie Murphy quickly becomes just another talented investment backer. In fact, he figures it out without the Ivy League education. The story is really about how people's opportunities, expectations, and education determine their outcome, not race. Remember, Dan Aykroyd quickly becomes a common criminal. Yes, he does. He also points out Because <laughs> he's still... Like, he steals salmon almost immediately. He does. He does. I think that I've known lots of criminals. I ain't known none of them to go into a party and steal salmon. I think Trading Places may be my favorite Dan Aykroyd performance. Interesting. You like it better than Blues Brothers? You're not a Blues Brothers guy, though. No, I like Blues Brothers. I like Blues Brothers a lot. You like him better in this than but I think he's, in Trade I mean, than Blues I mean, Brothers. what's he doing, really? Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? I agree with you. I'm just sort of scrolling through Dan Aykroyd's His movies. filmography is not super large. Yeah. Because he, he, cause he's one note in Blues Brothers, which is fine. Right. Because it's, it's, it's a one joke movie. And he's kind of carrying his weight in Ghostbusters, yeah. but he's not doing anything that's spectacular. Because both movies, that's Bill Murray. I have a real soft spot for Dr. Detroit. I'm never going to hold up Dr. Detroit Ooh, as, I as sort of. That and like, uh, I have a real soft spot for Dr. Detroit. Uh, uh. Now, I will tell you a movie that it, it's not bad. I probably need to see it again. But what's the movie that he did with John Belushi where they flipped it and Dan Aykroyd is the crazy one? I think it's Neighbors or something like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And because it's actually towards the end it's, of it's, John I, Belushi. It may be. It might be his last movie. I know what movie. you're talking about. I forget the name of it, though. Yeah. I I, and I have to see that again. I, I probably have not seen that since I was a teenager. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd actually forgotten about it until you said it just now. But that's, that would be my favorite. Okay. Uh, Markham also says that I'm not sure Eddie grew to learn since Pluto Nash and Distinguished Gentlemen <laughs> come after Boomerang, Harlem Nights, and Coming to America. And number three says it's getting better. And Tyler Perry is an example. Uh, nah, bra. <laughs> Tyler is an example of even worse tropes. Oh, oh, oh. Maybe John Singleton, rest in peace, but his, move, his hood movies were nothing but stereotypes and tropes. 
May John Singleton, rest in peace. But his move, his hood movies were nothing but stereotypes and tropes. Yeah, I, I can't argue with him right. on that one. John Singleton, like you know, rest in peace. Yeah, God bless the dead. But you know, so anyway, so does Markham Lee's. I but. I, Nevertheless, I think it's an interesting um, article. We linked to it in our Facebook group. You want to check it out. In comes the black guy. Absolutely, and and much like our essay we just read about Pluto Nash, we 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 very much love and 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 want people to share their thoughts and yeah analyses and critiques. Yeah, so this if, you, stuff. if you have a musing that you yeah, want to share do. with us, share. Yeah, share, you absolutely. Know? The Mo does not have, he, he's had a couple of musings. He has, he has. But he doesn't have, you know, it's not just his spot. It's everybody's spot. It's everybody's spot. Come come on, Markham. I, I've seen your answers to all these posts. We, we know you You know your way around a, a, a keyboard. <laughs> right. You and Robert Monroe. So stop your fronting. All right. Well, I guess I've stalled long enough. Rapping, 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 rapping. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. My name is Ice and I own this town. That's only when Hood's not around. Now John Hood's his name, rapping's his game. Where manipulation's how he gained his fame and life. Robin Hood, he's honest and true and always down with his partners, the Wild Thing crew. Batman. What's on your mind, man? Batman. John Hood. Batman. I want to fix your act, Rappin' Hood. Now rapping John Hood had one problem at hand A mean power broker was taking the land But John and his crew had their own tricks in store So they robbed from the rich and gave it to the poor You messing with the wrong man And rapping John Hood realized that fact And he and his crew are fighting back in rapping You must see rapping Rapping This movie had to happen Rapping rap, 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 rap. <laughs> A 1985 film directed by Joel Silberg, written by Adam Friedman and Robert Litz, produced by uh, Golan and Globus. Golan and Globus, baby! Golan and Globus! The electrifying production house behind Breaking, Breaking 2, Electric, Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. This film, in many ways, is a sequel to said film and in some places is also known as Breakdance 3 Electric Boogalee (laughs) (laughs) the movie has a plot unconnected to the previous two films And features different, Lynn, different Lynn, lead characters Lynn, and locations. Lynn, how 
was this supposed to be a sequel? It has none of the same characters. It's in a completely different place. And it's a storyline disassociated with everything else. You know why? Golden Globus, baby. Golden Globus, baby. Yeah, y'all don't know nothing about Golden Globus. And then when it came on, it said Canon. I forgot Canon actually distributed it. I was like, oh! Yeah, baby, we in Canon country. Because <laughs> after this, they made American Ninja. This film has developed a small cult following. Despite Barrio Van People's lack of rapping ability and the limited overall poor production values. <laughs> the story centers around rapping John Hood. That, no, no, that's John Rapping Hood. Uh, oh, you're. I stand corrected. That's right. John Rappenhood, <laughs> played by Mario Van Peoples, an ex-convict who attempts to save his neighborhood from developers and hoodlums. <laughs> <laughs> Doing what, Lynn? How's he going to save the neighborhood? By rapping. <laughs> his raps were overdubbed by Master G of the Sugar Hill Gang. Ice-T is featured in a small role, uncredited, and reportedly provided the rhymes, including the hero's climactic lines, can't stop, won't stop, <laughs> climbing that mountain till we reach the top. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those Rap- words indeed rhyme. <laughs> Rapping stars, <laughs> Mario Van Peoples, Rutana Alda, Alda, excuse me, uh, <laughs> Richie Abens, Kadeem Hardison, <laughs> Eric LaSalle. Eric LaSalle. Eric LaSalle went on to be nominated for Emmys. And features music by Lovebug Starsky, mm-hmm. uh, Tough Inc., mm-hmm. Eugene Wilde, and Joanna Gardner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... The Force MDs. Itching for a scratch. This movie would earn $2 million at the U.S. box office. <laughs> rapping Vince's selection for this Mother May I Stop. On the Michelle mission. Although, for the record, I think it earned two point eight million. Two point nine. Two point nine. It was made for two million. Yes. Which means that this film was more profitable than Pluto Nash. Wow. Let that sink in. So, <laughs> rapping. Look, folks. This film is terrible. So we're gonna take our time. And talk about lots of stuff. <laughs> I think when we talk about hip hop and how hip hop penetrated the public consciousness, mm-hmm. 1983 is this real seminal year. I, I think, you know, obviously hip hop had been in existence since 76, 77, but unless you were in New York, and arguably here in Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia has, has a very rich hip-hop history. Mm. You probably didn't know a lot about it. Right. 1983, two things happen. I always say two documentaries come out 
because I always forget Wild Style technically isn't a documentary. It is. It isn't because um the main character is playing a fictionalized version. Oh, of that's, right. that's right, right. But you know, let's be clear. I think it's like four lines of dialogue in yeah. Wild Style, and then the rest of it is just you know this beautiful footage of like the Cold Crush Brothers and documentary you know, and, footage, right, more right, or less. Right, right. Yeah, Grandmaster Flash and all. So Wild Style comes out in '83. And then there's another documentary, which quietly is my favorite of the t- of of that period, Style Wars. Yes, which is about graffiti. Mm-hmm. So that comes out in '83 and becomes they become hits yep. on the circuit. And for many of us, that was our first real exposure to hip hop. '84, trying to trying to profit off of this momentum, off of this new fad off of this new art you get this miniature explosion of hip-hop films 1984 beat street comes out which we you know mentioned a little bit at the end last week beat street which was filmed in in new york Mm -hmm. you know included all of these you know really well established uh, groups, you know, Grandmaster Flash, uh, you know, the Rocksteady crew was in it. Like, like it really is this, um, this really authentic and gritty account of what's happening in the culture. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, and I believe this comes out a little bit before Breaking. I mean, before Beat Street, you have Breaking. Right. And and let me just say this about breaking. We actually have to stay with breaking because as you said, rapping is very much connected to breaking. Breaking is grows out of this German documentary called Breaking and Entering, which was about the um was about Radiotron, mm-hmm. which is the club in Breakin', and it kind of featured all of these dancers and all of these artists, including Boogaloo Shrimp, who goes on to play Turbo right. in Breakin', and you know Ice T is is there as well. They bring in uh, Shabadoo, mm-hmm. who who you know is known as Ozone in the film, and I say all that to say that there is this authentic element to Breakin', right? Right. Now, the fascinating thing about Breaking, and I'll just tell you, like, I actually went down a little rabbit hole with Breaking. The guy who wrote Breaking, who was connected to this documentary, Breaking and Entering, Mm -hmm. had this falling out with Golan and Globus because he wanted to make this authentic, basically West Coast version of Beat Street. Right, because you know the the b boy culture is a little different out there. Exactly, you, you know Ozone was. I mean, um, Shabadoo was famously part of the Rockets, mm-hmm. which was a pop lock crew yep. out there. And then you know, if, like I always think about them, they they used to be on Soul Train, yep. a fair amount, and they were on that great episode of What's Happening. Yes, with because rerun. with rerun, because Freddie rerun Stubbs was actually a member of the Rockets. Right, so. These were actual legitimate B boys, mm-hmm. and you know, there's this actual legitimate West Coast culture of hip hop. Right. The writer falls out with Golan Globus because he wants to make something authentic. Golan Globus wants to make something a bit more, you know, family friendly, more a little more crossover. One thing leads to another, so that the writer David Vito 
uses a pseudonym mm. when he writes in that. And he writes, I think it's Charles, I don't have it in front of me. It's like Charles Parker is a pseudonym that he uses because he doesn't want to connect himself to this script. Okay. Even with that, again, if you squint, there is an element of hip hop to breaking. A lot, yes. Yes. Both of these films come out 84. 85, at this point, again, the makers of Breakin' have taken it a completely different direction. They make Breakin' to Electric Boogaloo. And then at the same time, or rather in the same year, they make Rappin'. But Rappin' is completely separate from any type of hip-hop anything right and it is it is a train wreck Mm -hmm. but then it's so much of a train wreck you almost can't turn away from it mario van peebles you know as you said in the introduction plays john rappin hood who is who gets out of prison at the beginning of the film right we have no idea what he did to get into prison. None at all. If you blink, there's a moment after his little brother steals the, st- the stereo and he goes to the guy who's the fence. Mm-hmm. And the fence mentions that John Rappin' Hood used to be one of his best operatives. Right. So, like, if you wanted to, you could maybe kind of say, well, I guess he was a thief. Yeah. And he got pinched. And he got pinched. But while he was in prison, he kind of turned his life around. Yeah. And now he's coming back to help the community. Which makes you think that, well, he must have got pinched for something bigger than just stealing Maybe. I don't know. But but he comes back from prison and people talk about his new hair. Yeah. Which, you you know, like like Mayor of Them, people's always had this weird kind of Jerry Mm Curl-esque thing happening where it looked like he put the activator in his hair for like 10 minutes and then took it out. Yeah. Then he had like a little spit curl in the front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that was his look. Yeah. He gets back with his gang where Eric LaSalle is his lieutenant and Eric LaSalle has a whip. <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm saying all this to say <laughs> not only is this film divorced from hip hop culture. It's divorced from reality almost. Mm. Like there are these gangs, but they're not really gangs. It like it seems like they just sort of hang out. Yeah. No one has a job. No. No one's doing nothing. There's a rival- well, one guy has a job. Well, he has a job for five minutes and then they get him fired. They get him fired and he's happy about it. There's a rival gang. And the rival gang lord says that now he's the biggest, baddest person around. And I keep trying to figure out what are the stakes of gang superiority in this space because no one ever seems to actually do anything. No. It's like the gangs in, in Beat It. Yeah. Where it's almost like someone knows these words. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to have a gang. And I, you know, I saw West Side Story. Yeah, I get, yeah. It's, and it seems like people should be together. Like there's actually a fight at one point 
or or a dance battle and they sort of ballet dance against <laughs> yes. each other in yes. the club? Yes. <laughs> that was the most surreal moment I've ever seen on film. <laughs> and somehow Mario Van Peebles is supposed to be holding this whole thing together. Yeah, he's the linchpin. He's the linchpin. He's the person we spend the most time with. We're supposed to buy that he's charismatic. We're supposed to buy that he has this rapping ability mm-hmm. that everyone is drawn to. Mm-hmm. And it's all just sort of confusing. So I went, you know, oh, this is terrible. But then I was like, I'm just sort of confused by all of this. Like, I don't really understand any of this. No. And and what's going on exactly? And what are the stakes? And and who is this for? I don't know who the audience for this is. Yeah, because it's it's not a hip-hop fan. It's not a hip-hop fan. It's not even someone who is interested in hip-hop mm-hmm. through these earlier movies. And maybe I want to, you, you know, you get the sense that maybe they're trying to make it for a 13, 14-year-old. But even a 13, 14-year-old wants breaking. Yeah. Like, even breaking, you know, it has Shabadoo, it has Ozone, it has, you know, the other the other dancers from Radiotron. Mm-hmm. This, there's nothing really hip-hop there at all. It's almost as if the makers of this film and, and Joel Silberg as the director were so busy trying to get rid of the elements that they thought would keep it from crossing over that they got rid of everything. Right. So that you're left with this, this sort of emptiness for an hour and a half. Yeah. And you, well, the proof is right there in the credits, Vince. Not only do you have it being produced by Golan and Globus, but it was written by Adam Friedman and Robert Litz. I don't know these two gentlemen. Never met them. So I, I, forgive me if I may be casting aspersions on them. Cast away. But it, based on the movie that they have submitted for your approval, <laughs> it does not feel as if they are in touch with the world of hip-hop at all at all and i don't think that was foremost on global golan and globus mind they were just concerned with oh this was an element of these other movies that people seem to you know gravitate to and like i think we can make something from that as well. Hey, it's just you get a couple of kids. We'll find some some kids, some guys. We'll get us a couple of, couple of the Negroes. But not too many. Not too many. But we'll get a couple of them, and we'll have them just, you know, bop down the street with their hippity-bippity-boppity-boop. <laughs> and and ka-ching-a-ring-ding. We'll make us a song, baby. And and make us some money. Make us some money. Hey, Mario, why don't you go down and uh, we're just going to, in this scene, we're just going to give you, uh, 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 we'll give you words and you'll pull a rhyme out of your butt. You could do that, can't you, Mario? 
I, sure, why not? Action! Action. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happens in this movie, right? And I can, I can almost, you know, forgive being fooled by the visage that is Mario Van Peoples. Like you said, yeah. he's got the, you know, he's got the, the slick back, the spit curl. He's got, you know, he's a chiseled dude. Good looking dude. A good looking, good looking, good dude. looking guy. Yeah. You know? So you don't know anything about hip hop, but you see this good looking black guy who seems in like he looks good in a t-shirt, you know, hey, he, he should be able to put two, two words together and say a rhyme. How hard could it be? Well, obviously very hard. <laughs> because Mario Van Peoples, not only... like I've, I, He's a good-looking guy, but yes. I've never thought much of Mario Van Peoples as an actor. So, you know, so there's that. Yeah, yeah. But now you're asking... It's hard, him, to, it's hard to defend them. But then you, now you're asking him to act as if he has a talent that he does not have. Right. Mind you... You're asking him to pretend or act like he has two talents because you're asking him to act like he can rap. Yes. And he cannot rap. He cannot. Because he cannot even get over the simplistic rhymes that the writers or whomever have written for him. He's not the most rhythmic man. No, he's not. Now, mind you, they say that Master Master G of the Sugar Hill Gang maybe wrote a couple of these lines. Yeah. I have a funny feeling that he maybe wrote a couple, heard Mario, and said, okay, we're going to have to dumb this down a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I have a funny feeling that the more interesting lines that he had to rhyme, he gave them to the, the few times that you hear Kadeem Hardison rhyme. Right. Because he's the only one that sounds like he can get over a rap. Or his little brother. Or his little brother. Played by Leo O'Brien. Who was actually Master G's little brother. Yeah. Um, but there's that talent that he does not have. And then there is, unfortunately, on display a great deal in this movie. The Mario Van Peebles' lack of dancing talent. <laughs> because there are moments in this movie where he is asked... To move rhythmically, whether or not he is walking down the street to a beat, whether or not he is in a party moving to a song. And he is cringeworthy. He is the stiffest dude. <laughs> he is so stiff. Like, I don't I don't understand what's what the problem is. I, it, it really. Like, I thought maybe he had a back injury. I I mean, well, he does look like he lifts a lot of weight. So maybe he well, had I thought an maybe he had, you know how you wrench your back? Yeah, because he's really. He's the stiffest he's really dude. Stiffed. Yeah. He's, re- he's really, and he's really, really bad in this movie. Yeah. And he's, he's asked, like you said, he's asked not only to be the linchpin of this neighborhood, He's, you know, he's John Rapping Hood. You know, John he's, Rapping Hood. He's the he's Robin Hood. Yes, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. I'm the leader of my gang. I'm going to show you. Hey, I'm the lead rapper when we do our raps. You know, I'm the one who Grandmom sees so much potential in. Yes. Um. So you, he's he's asked to carry almost every moment of this film. Yeah. Oh yeah. He is he is our surrogate to this story. 
what little story there is, I I do not believe that this story was not written as they went along. I know there are writers credited. I be- thoroughly believe they were writing this as they were filming. Well, I'm pretty sure they stole the plot almost whole cloth from Breaking 2. Well, they stole it from many places. Yeah. This is not a lot of originality in this movie. Like, how you have two evil developer films in the same movie, in the same year, from the same company? Well, you know, it was a different city. This was Pittsburgh. (laughs) This, This was Pittsburgh. And I will say this. It was actually Pittsburgh. Yes. And it looked like Pittsburgh. It looked like Like, Pittsburgh. like this was, like, they actually filmed on location. Yeah, they filmed on location. And, you know, we like locations, and we like places that look like places. Yes, they look like places. And this was Pittsburgh. Yes. So. Yes. So. Point to rapping. Well, point to rapping for that, but unfortunately, they picked a very dreary place in Pittsburgh. Right. Which, of course, matched the level of... Uh, production now i'm pretty sure pittsburgh is is really segregated so this kind of hodgepodge of different enough colors and nationalities i don't know how realistic that part was well yes um but as bad as mario van peoples is in this film and he is he's horrible Mm -hmm. the only saving grace for him Mm -hmm. at least for me was that I was distracted by him in watching how <laughs> embarrassed Eric LaSalle was <laughs> to be in this movie. You know what? <laughs> there's there's actually, it's not a deleted scene. I think it was a scene that didn't make it into the film. If you look at the trailer, there's a Eric Lasall plays his his second in command ice with a whip with a, with a whip. They cut a, an exchange when he first come when John Hood comes home, and Eric Lasall basically says it's my gang now, and then John Hood says until I'm back. Oh, and I feel like they had to actually cut the text from it because the subtext throughout the film. Is Eric LaSalle, like you said, looking at Mario Van Peebles, and you can read it on his face. <laughs> I am so much better than him <laughs> at everything. Why am I the second in command? Mind you, Eric LaSalle's not a good rapper either. But he's a, a million times better than Mario Van Peebles. D- true. He's a better actor. He's a 10,000 times an actor. Right. He moves. Like, he actually acted like he was comfortable in his skin. Yes. Yes. So, I thought they had to move the text. Like, the actual text that said Eric LaSalle should be in charge. Because then it would distract from the rest of the movie. If you if you watch certain scenes, you can see moments where Eric LaSalle is looking... Out, off, out of the shot, <laughs> and it's almost like he's looking, waiting for his agent to show up. I know, <laughs> I know, and say that he booked juice. Right, right, <laughs> something, right. Anything, just, just something, something, just something, something, something. The hood roll on family ties. Oh my goodness something. gracious! Like I'm just gonna go work at Target until I get that ER gig. See, like, Kadeem Hardison is 20 years old in this. 
Yeah. Kadeem Harness is having fun. This is, let me, because he was in Death by Temptation. Mm-hmm. He was in um, Vampire in Brooklyn. Right. He was in School Days, of course. Yes. And he's in this. So these yeah. are four films where the, the quality is wildly divergent <laughs> in each of these films. But you're absolutely, like Kadeem Hardison always looks like he's, can, you know what Kadeem Hardison looks like? Kadeem Hardison looks like he is remembering all the details of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because when he gets home with his boys, <laughs> like his boys are waiting for Kadeem Hardison to get home. So he can say, yo, let me tell you yeah. what, what happened yeah. in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yes, he, he, is, he is waiting for Saturday at the barbershop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yo, let me tell y'all about Mario. Right. <laughs> yeah, he always looks like he's having a really good time. Yes, he is. Ha- he's having he's having fun um, because he realizes nobody else is going to have any fun. No one's going to have any fun with this movie. Oh my god, this movie was such a train. The second they start the rip off of the Fat Boys and they start rapping "Snack Attack," "Snack Attack," eat it up, drink it down, <laughs> wash it down. We're making fun of him. He's fat. It's hilarious. You've got adult onset diabetes. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Snack attack. It's like this. This is terrible. It's horrible. <laughs> it is so, so horrible. That, oh, my God. Oh, my God, man. This movie is so bad. It's so bad. And yet, Vince. <laughs> yes. What? And yet What? This movie has one redeeming quality. It's not Pittsburgh? No. Because I give it Pittsburgh. No. This movie has one redeeming quality for everyone involved with the Michelle mission. You know what it is? Is it Leo O'Brien? No. He's okay. Yeah. Listen, let's not, he's not changing okay. the nah, world. Nah, nah, he's playing this position. He's playing this position. Right. He's having fun too. He's a little kid. Right. He played the little brother in Last Dragon. He plays the little brother in rapping. This is this is Lane. What's the redeeming feature? Now it can be told. Rapping has made me appreciate the last. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. You don't know what you got till it's gone. You don't know. (laughs) I'm sitting here watching this movie. (laughs) And I'm watching the the scene where Eric LaSalle, first of all, thinks that he's a kung fu master. (laughs) Why they have a kung fu fight? Because everyone's kung fu fighting. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. And Mario Van Peoples comes in. Oh. And throws what I think is my sister's punch. (laughs) And it was at that moment (laughs) that I appreciated the sincerity of Timac. Oh, yeah. In the last drag, the sincerity and and the commitment, the commitment, right? Because Tom Act took it seriously, like yes. like I'm a kung fu man. Yes, yeah. And and all of a sudden, 
the world opened up to me, Vince. <laughs> you know, Timac, you know, he, he was doing his thing. He was doing his he thing. He was sincere. He was doing what they told him to 19 do. 19-year-old kid. Shownuff was just having fun. Hey, Julius Carey, rest in peace. Having a ball in this movie. Yeah. Vanity, happy hey, to be here. Vanity, happy to be Playing look. her position. Mm-hmm. And now, because of rapping, I can, you know, admit that there's a slight, you know, you know, sadomasochistic enjoyment I had in watching Vanity be tied up so many times. Yes, yes. <laughs> the last dragon. You see... you. Uh, Mario Van Peebles and um, female lead Rotania Alda. Rotania Alda, who I know, you, you know who I, you know why I know her. She used to play a character on um, All My Children in the eighties. Oh, really? Yeah. Did your mama watch the stories? No. My mama watched this. Well, she did. She watched All My Children. Oh, okay. My dad used to set up the VCR to tape All My Children just for my mom. Okay. She watched it. Okay. But you better not erase the episode before my dad watched it. <laughs> of course not. But she, yeah, she was on All My Children. Oh, was she? Yeah. Oh, well. Well. She's vaguely Hispanic. She's actually Latvian. Oh. Yeah, I'm looking here. She's a Latvian-born uh, actress. Okay. She's slightly ethnic. The color dynamic is also all over the place in this film. Boy, her her her, her filmography took a weird turn. <laughs> I'm looking here. I, it's it's connected to what we just taped. Wait a minute. This can't be the same person. It is. It, this can't be the she same person. She was the voice of the USS uh, Shaiju. Wait a minute. In the first season of Discovery. What? Wait a minute. This can't be the same person. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I think I'm looking at the wrong Oh, actress. right, 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 right. I'm right. looking at the wrong actress. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking about... Um, Rotanya Alda... Place the seal. You're talking about Tazia Valenza. Yes, that's who. Yeah, ta- plays Tali, Dixie. Le, yeah, Liz, yeah, Valenza. Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking at Rotanya Alda. And she was like 40 something years old. Right. I'm like, oh, no, that can't be her. <laughs> but even still, Rotanya Alda, who plays Cecilia, I don't even remember who the Cecilia character is in this stupid thing. I think she's one of the old ladies. Yes. A career began in the 60s. Yes. She would have supporting roles in. This, this this is how her career went. Okay. She went from supporting roles in The Deer Hunter. Okay. Rocky Two. Okay. All right. Mommy Dearest. Okay. All right. Amityville Two: The Possession. Oh well, the end things are not going well now. 1984's Girls' Night Out. Oh. And then she bottomed out. Oh. With rapping. Oh. That's terrible. That's terrible. But yeah, yeah Mario Van Peebles had no chemistry. No. You know. I guess I guess her being in rapping was familiar ter- terrain for her because she spent the first seven years of her life in a displaced persons camp in <laughs> Germany <laughs> during World War II. Oh, my God. Did you just <laughs> compare rapping to being in almost a prison camp in Nazi Germany? <laughs> Dag. Prison camp rapping. Rapping. Prison camp rapping. I want to like Mario Van Peebles. They fed us in the camp. Oh. <laughs> I want to like Mario Van Peebles. And, and we've mentioned him before. You know, he was on that short-lived series, Sunny Spoon. 
which I remember fondly. But I must admit, <laughs> I don't remember, remember much. much of it. <laughs> I knew you had to. You yeah. had to. Because I remember it not so fondly. But Mario Van Peebles has never... He's never been anything besides his looks. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks like he should be a leading man. Yes. But I'm talking about him in rapping, but I mean, you, you know, you think about him in, 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 um, oh, I just forgot. What was, what was the Black Cowboy movie that he Posse. was? Posse. You think about him in Posse. Mm-hmm. You think about him, you, you know, even frankly in Badass. Oh, I forgot. Where oh, he he's just a fraction of his father. Right, 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 right. And it just he just never really. Oh, and you remember Solo? Remember his action movie? Oh yeah. Remember Solo? He was terrible in that too. Well, he's terrible in everything. Yeah, he's not good. He's not good. And I, quiet is kept like we fondly remembered New Jack City, which he directed. But you, we don't remember it for him. And you don't remember it for the direction. And for the direction. Yeah, yeah. You remember it for Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel and like. Nunn. I, I think I remember liking Panther. I haven't seen Panther. I haven't seen that in a minute. In a minute. He, I'm looking at his filmography here. He's, oh boy. Oh, yeah. His filmography is, is terrible. It's uh, crazy. Uh, he was in. Um, well, he follows up rapping with Delivery Boys. Yeah, I didn't even know what that was. Um, it concerns a group of pizza delivery boys who start a breakdancing team. And now I want to see Delivery. He, um, I'm just jumping all over. He was in Jaws the Revenge. Uh, well, we talked about that because he, play, he played the Jamaican. Because yes. Jama- yes. he has a Jamaican accent that he uses sometimes. Yes, I do remember that. I'm not sure who told him to do it. <laughs> but apparently it's something that he pulls from. Bumbleclap boy. He will return to the world of rapping in, 19, in the 1989 comedy Identity Crisis, di- directed by his father, Melvin, where Mario... Um, but the film was written by Mario. It's a movie about a rapper who winds up sharing his body with the soul of a dead fashion designer. I remember that. Switching between personalities every time he is struck on the head. It is also terrible. I'm, I I don't doubt that as well. We spoke about Posse. Uh, he was also in um, Gunmen. With Chris Lambert. Oh, I don't know anything about that. that sounds- uh, and, and I think uh, Kadeem Hardison is in that as well. Um, he was in Solo. We mentioned that. Riot. Um, let's see. I'm looking all over. Uh, killers in the House. Oh, jeez. About a bank robber who hold a family hostage in a newly inherited mansion. It was a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> I can see why. Um, he was in Ali. I don't remember him in Ali. Yeah, he played Malcolm X. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he played Malcolm X and Ali. I do remember that. I don't remember that. I don't. Remember, was he good? I, I don't. You know, yeah, he was in like a, no. a scene. That's a no. Yeah, <laughs> that's a no. The second you went, eh, yeah, it was a no. Well, I don't remember anything significant about it. And that's really that's. Oh boy, yeah, that's it. Uh, he's he's been on Z Nation. I, I don't know if he's a regular on Z Nation. Right, right, uh, right. I have a friend that really likes Z Nation. It's a dumb, stupid mo- sh- show. Yeah, there's nothing great about it. Yeah. But, you know. 
Yeah, he hasn't done a movie. Um, well, he's done a couple of movies, like direct video type of things. Nothing really deep. But it's terrible. He's yeah. I'm I'm I'm. I don't know the man, so I can't speak of him personally. But his career, I'm not a fan of his career. I'm not a fan of his. Not only am I not a fan of his career, but I think it says a lot about his talent that a man that looks like him because again I, I do think he like he looks good he's a good looking brother and he's the son of a legend the fact that this is a career that he's kind of put together with all of that i think says a lot about his skill level yeah okay you know Melvin Van Peebles is a legend because of when his movie came out and what it gave birth to. Don't stop. You don't like him, but the man is a legend. Okay. People love him. Oh, well, and- like, he's legitimately a Hollywood legend. Okay. Like, right. you you don't like him, but you can't take away from the fact that the man is a legend. Mm, I think- and... Heard, you know, to this point, there is no way that being the son of Mario Melvin Van Peebles shouldn't have gotten you into lots of rooms throughout the eighties and nineties. I I disagree. How are you going to disagree? Like, there's an entire generation of filmmakers, black filmmakers, that if you talk to them longer than five minutes, mm-hmm. they bring up Melvin Van Peebles. Yeah, they do. They do. So therefore, so they respect him. My son needs a shot. All right. Yeah. In the beginning, but w- once you pass 1982, 83, well, that's my point. You're going though. by his name. Well, his that's alone. my yeah. Well, that's my point. That, that's Mario's point. name, right? Like Melvin opened some doors, but once you go through the door, you got to produce. And I don't, you know, he obviously does not produce. And I'm saying, and I'm, and I'm saying, I'm, look, I'm giving y'all the last dragon, ladies and gentlemen. But I can't get. I, I'm not knocking Melvin Van Peebles' legendary status as far as what he is, what he means to black Hollywood and black film. Well, that's all I'm we're not talking that, about. But I am knocking necessarily the talent of it. Like I, I don't. I don't think much of the the work that he's created. Okay, that that's all I'm saying. I don't. I I think I think him no, and no, Mary. No. I think we him know and you son, don't. We know you don't. I'm talking about people who actually are opening doors, though. Okay, like I'm talking about people that hey, I'm Mario Van Peebles. I'm six foot three. I'm go however tall he is. I'm really good looking, and my dad is a legend. Yeah, but what I'm saying. Can you let me? In your production, but uh, yeah, but what I'm saying is that the apple doesn't far that fa- fall that far from the tree, right? As far you... in the as far in regards to their talent. I mean, and once you open that door and you see, like, okay, your pop's name got you in here, but I also know what your pop has done. So, are you as good or hopefully better than your pop? And, and the answer see, is no. Right. Yeah. So, and that's. All I'm saying. Right. You just want to give a knock to Melvin. We it's know not that I want to give we a knock. We know you don't like Melvin Van Peebles. I want to talk about Melvin Van Peebles' talent. I ain't say nothing about his talent. I just said what his name would do. Well, I, You brought in this stuff because you can't, like, someone can't say Melvin Van Peebles' name. You like damn Beetlejuice or something when Melvin Van Peebles' name comes up. 
Like, if I say Melvin Van Peebles, Harry Belafonte in play, I think you're going to sprout some kind of horns or something. Like, I just took my life in my own hands saying them three names in a row. But I now like the last track. But you now like the last track because you possess the power of the glove. Well, <laughs> and it's all I, I owe it all to rapping. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what this cult status is, because to me, this is the most joyless. Corporate mandated put together by committee film of this era. Is it possible? Is it possible? And let's, let's talk about two, two scenes that I reasonably enjoyed. One, I greatly enjoyed and one reasonably. Okay. I can't wait to hear the this. one that I, in this film. Yes. Okay. The one that I reasonably enjoyed was that this is one of the first um, filmed performances of Ice-T the Rapper. Okay. And you can see that even in this early primordial stage of his career, he is fully formed Ice-T. Right. At least the Ice-T of that time. Right. You know? Um, And instantly brought some life to this freaking movie. Absolutely. When he comes on stage. Well, he's a consummate professional. Yes. Yeah. So 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 that might give you a little bit of a little bit of, you know, somebody like, might like this film for Ice T. Also, also not for nothing. I was a reasonable fan of the Force MDs. Force MDs, and this is where it comes from, itching for a scratch. And and I think, and their performance in this movie is good. It's yeah. solid. Oh, absolutely. And and, and they they proved, you know, their via their viability in this space. And that they were, you know, kind of like a quasi R and B sort of rapish type of group. You know, they had the whole college letterman look going on that was their whole whole vibe mm-hmm. um and this is one of their few film performances because you gotta remember this i don't i don't know if they ever did a music video i, I they did for um love is a house oh that's right that's they right, did for that's love. Right. i actually had forgotten that this performance was in this film like i thought the itching for a scratch was in beat street okay and that's like that's the highest respect I can give it. Like I thought it was good enough that it was in a much better movie than right. this. Well, it, it deserves to be. Yeah, I was like, was this in this? In a much better right, movie. Right. Especially considering that the whole idea of those two scenes are that <laughs> this guy in the heart of Pittsburgh. Nineteen eighty five Pittsburgh. Is looking for the next big he's, thing. He's running a record empire out of nineteen eighty five Pittsburgh. And he's hungry for talent. For talent. That's right. And yet, when you have Ice-T on the stage in full Ice-T mode, early gangster Ice-T, because he's up there with an Uzi. And and, and he's he's got the the live music behind him. Yes. It actually wasn't a bad band. And then you've got the Force MDs performing, dancing, singing their butts off. They are. It was a whole show. And yet... He is 
like starstruck by John Rappinhood. What was he rapping about? What two guys were fighting? It was Lady Alcohol. <laughs> he was performing his hit Lady Alcohol. That he did right off the top of his head. Right off the top of his head. To some Sesame Street hip hop beat. I don't know what was happening. Some some Casio eight hundred you know, program B. I was like, what is happening? What is happening right now? Why is this happening? Remember remember Simon? I think it was a beat from Simon. Yeah. <laughs> um the little t- you the light. Yeah. He's rapping to that. And that's the person that's, he's going to sign. I must. I'm, I'm throwing I'm, money at I you. I must sign you there again. There's this whole, like you said, there are these cobbled together storylines from better, <laughs> from, from better movies. You know, because again, this sort of parallels the storyline in Beat Street. Yes, about trying to get signed. You've got the developer storyline from Breaking Two. Yes, you, you know, you've you, you've got the gang issue from breaking mm-hmm. like it is just sort of again it's, it's a hodgepodge it's it's, it, it's it's just soulless like this is a soulless product <laughs> so would you recommend that anyone see your movie rapping? oh not at all <laughs> not at all this is you know and in my, my mind just to to, to end with what I just said, that is the biggest crime of all. If if you want to, you know, at this point we we are we have a few of these films from this era, and I think you and I were both pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. by how we were charmed a bit by a uh, fast forward. Yeah, yeah, which you know comes out the same year. You know, like all these movies come out between 83, 84 and 85. Oh, I mean, can you? And by 86, it's over. Right. So right. something like Fast Forward, which actually has a bit of heart. And you compare it to this, which, which, you know, again, it's it's so soulless and it's so calculated that there's no joy. What That's why I was sort of curious about someone calling it a, a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Because part of what makes something a cult classic is that you kind of look at it askew, and you say, "Okay," but I, there's no joy. the The acting is abysmal. Mm-hmm. The storylines are recycled. It, it it's it's actually a misnomer referring to this as one of the hip hop films, because there's no actual hip hop in it. No. Like the rhyming that he does, you, you know, I actually, I, I, it's funny. I was thinking, about, you know, I saw the same thing that Master G from the Sugar Hill Gang wrote some of the rhymes and even right. Ice-T. And I was like, this doesn't sound like anything No, that either one of them can. You know, neither one of them are my favorite MCs, but they're MCs. Like, I would never say they weren't MCs. Right, right, right. But I, 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 I'm, I'm going to buy your reading that they actually wrote some lyrics and Mara Van Peebles tripped over him, <laughs> tripped hard, and then they had to dumb him down so that he could get his tongue around him. Which then goes to the final thing that if I think about this film long enough, mm-hmm. it'll make me angry. It actually reflects this 
baseline level of disrespect that people had for hip hop as an art form. Especially at this time. Especially at this time. In these early because days. for you to say, basically, anybody can do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's just put a face in it and he can do it. And the fans aren't really discerning enough mm-hmm. to say this is good and this is bad because all of it is a fad and it's garbage. And we'll just put this out. Again, if I think about it long enough, it'll actually make me angry. But, but no, I wouldn't recommend this at all. Don't don't see rapping. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I, I concur. It's been a better time napping <laughs> than to go see rapping. Because you won't be clapping if you go see if rapping. If you go see rapping. Nor, nor will you be snapping if you go see rapping. Done. Um, that was a better rhyme than what was in the whole movie. So much better. <laughs> so much better. We should start a street gang <laughs> devoted to rapping, stealing groceries in oil. That thing they stole that oil, like you ever have oil heat? You ever? Yes, you know, they have. Yeah, he stole that oil and was putting. Oil. I said, "Oh, they gonna send you to jail for that." Yes, sir. <laughs> you can't be stealing oil. Trucks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't know. I don't. Mm. Like they stole the food from where my man worked. I wasn't really comfortable with that either. But I said, "All right." I mean, all right, all right. He stole some produce, but they stole that oil truck. I said, "Oh, they gonna put you Bruh. in prison for that." Yes, sir. Stealing oil. Yeah, you don't oil is expensive. expensive. Yes. <laughs> All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so don't go see rapping. Don't go see rapping. Please spare yourself. Don't go see rapping. It's like a visual slapping if you go see rapping. You'd be better off napping than going to see rapping. Because ain't no clapping or snapping from what you see in rapping. Okay. You might be laughing when you go see rapping. Yes. So um, <laughs> before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week. Oh, boy. It continues. <laughs> on Mother May I. I invite you all to like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, ladies and gentlemen, at Me Show Mission. Email us all your thoughts and concerns at Mission at gmail.com. Uh, like, and, uh, like us and give us a fo- five-star rating on wherever you seem to catch our show, whether it be on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, um, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever you catch our our show, iHeartRadio, give us a ranking and rating because that really does help people find our show. We also want to let you know that the Michelle Mission is coming to Brooklyn, New York, ladies yes, and gentlemen. Yes, we are. In July, we will be at the Blurred City Con. Yes. In Brooklyn, the Michelle Mission will be doing a live review of Men in Black. Yes, we will. And now it can be told our very very special guest who will be joining us for the review is the star of Hulu's hit original series Marvel's Runaways it is Ryan Sands oh yeah 
will be sitting down. Mr. Wilder himself. Yes. Will be sitting down with us to review Men in Black in July. It's going to be on Saturday, July 13th at the Blurred City Con. The uh, tickets are available now. If you go to our website, michellemission.com, look under events. And that's where you will see a link where you can get your tickets right now. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a ball. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's good people. I'm looking forward to this. I am. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be insane. Um, it promises to be a, uh, a big fun at Blurred City Con. All right. Um, don't forget our show is also available as a radio show, ladies and gentlemen, every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM, Philly Cam, People Power Media, 106.5 FM here in the city of brotherly love and streams on phillycam.org slash listen. And our show is available on Mondays. You can wake up with me show every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University here in Philadelphia. Our show was also available as part of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. Podglomerate, a beautiful, curated home of quality podcasts just for your listening enjoyment. Go to thepodglomerate.com to check them all out. All right. All right. Next week on the Michelle Mission. Oh, boy. I just found a movie that I have never seen. Oh, boy. Never wanted to see. Oh, no. Because it looked like crap. Oh, boy. So I may be proven right. I may be proven wrong. Oh, boy. Here we go. But we're not going too far in the Wayback Machine. Vince, we are only going to the year of, I believe it is 2008. 2008, something came. This isn't a Tyler Perry movie. It is not a Tyler Perry movie. Okay, 2008, a film came out. You didn't, it looked like garbage, and now we're going to do Mother May I. All right. That's right. You see, as the uh, the, uh, synopsis goes. Okay. Though it has been about 20 years since they have spoken with one another. Okay. Two estranged soul-singing legends agree to participate in a reunion performance at the Apollo Theater to honor their recently de- deceased band leader, Samuel Jackson. Oh, this isn't bad. Bernie Mac. This isn't that bad. Out of sync, never out of style, soul men. Oh, this is a bad call. I'm going to tell you this this week. It's not that bad. I've never seen it. I've not heard good things about it. So I'm going to... Oh, so boy. I'm going by what I see oh, as far as the boy. reviews, and I'm going to see the movie. So maybe it's not a bad movie. Yeah, compared to Pluto Nash in in rapping, you're actually going to give us a, a a break. Do you want me to choose again? I have another in the chamber. I kind of do. So hey, Soulman is not that good, mm-hmm. but it's no way it's you know Mother May I Have Another Fodder. Okay. Well, see, the, my other movie I've seen, and I don't think it's good either. I'm not sure whether or not it's Mother May I, but it kind of fit in with where you went with um, rapping. <laughs> yeah, because see, I, br- I bring the quality. 
Yeah, you brought something. That's right. Uh, my other movie. So I'll let you choose. Okay, between Soul Men. Soul Men from 2008. Right. With Samuel Jackson and Bernie Mac. Right, and it's like Sharon. And Sharon Leo, Leo is in there. And yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. Or 1993's starring vehicle for then hit MTV VJ's. Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this who's is, the man? Yeah, who's the man? Is is who's the man? If I yeah, who's the man? If I remember, is terrible. So I would choose who's the man. See, I see. I remember, like at the age that I saw who's the man, thinking. Eh. I suspect it doesn't age well. I, think I got a funny. Doesn't age well. I suspect it wasn't that good when it came out. You just like seeing hip hop artists on the screen. Yeah, because it was the first time they were given yeah. like real roles, mm-hmm. like chilling on the side. And- yeah, I think Who's the Man is probably, probably. All right, so Who's the Man will do? Who's the Man fits bed? Wow, is Who's the Man available? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> who's the Man? Well, it's, it's available on a disc at Amazon. Um, I don't know it, if, if it's streaming anyplace because Rappin' was not streaming anyplace, right? No, no. I, I, again, I did the, for the mission. I went and got the DVD. <laughs> you did. Right, see? I don't believe you did see, that. You're supposed to be ready. Well, I, you had all week. <laughs> well, I, I I was ready with Who's the Man? I, you're telling me don't do Who's the Man. and I'm, No, you Soul Men. Soul Men. Yeah. Soul Men. I was ready with... Yeah, soul Men's not, I mean, not that bad. See, I was going with the movie that I hadn't seen. So I'm like, all right, well, I haven't yeah. seen this movie. So I'm like, all right, let me go with that one. But you're, you've are you got me now thinking... So we're going to go Who's the Man. So we've got to see if actually if Who's the Man is streaming and it doesn't look like it's streaming. Oh, there it is. Uh, who's the Man? Oh, is that it? No, who's 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 the man? Doesn't look like it's streaming. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's streaming. <laughs> like who in the world wants to watch Who's the Man? Well, who wants to watch rapping? Well, I, that's why I got the DVD. <laughs> I guess I might have to get the DVD of. So okay, if you bit the bullet on on uh, on rapping, then I will bite. I will bite the bullet. How much did you pay for for rapping? Ten dollars. Well, yeah, then I'll bite the bullet for who's the man because it's only five dollars. Now you know what you could do. <laughs> five dollars. If if you just want to do crappy movies, crappy hip hop movies, you ready for this? The Disorderlies. I thought about Disorderlies, but I wanted to move out of the eighties. It's streaming everywhere. I bet it is. <laughs> um, I wanted to move out of the eighties, and I, and after sitting through rapping. I really don't think I can sit through disorders. <laughs> I've seen that movie. Hey, I thought we were doing Mother May I. I thought we were doing, look, don't go soft on me now. Well, I've made my call. It's, it's rapping. I mean, it's who's the man. Uh-huh. It's who's the man. I'm buying it. I'm Yo, buying it as we speak. As we speak. I have, I, I'm buying who's the man. Who's the man. All right. Okay? So it, it's done. All right. It's done. Who's the man is, is ordered. Oh. Uh, and That's it, terrible. It, 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 hey, so there you go. All right. So that's what's next. That's what's next. <laughs> I'll have to save Soul Soulman. I because I'm interested in kind of seeing it. Okay. Yeah. So you say it's not bad. I think that may be one of Bernie Mac's last movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Like, hey. Hey. Let's be clear. It's not a great film, but it has its moments. 
like I said, compared to rapping in Pluto Nash. <laughs> so men's the Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. He is Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>